Welcome, fans, to the Utah Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Haslam, and my guest today is defenseman Rylan Lemons. Rylan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, I appreciate your time just coming off of practice, and, and I don't want to take too much of your time because I'm sure you've got some studies, but let's jump right into it. When, where, why, how did you start playing lacrosse? Yeah, I started playing lacrosse in fifth grade. And I believe the sport caught my attention when I was watching a game on TV. I think it just happened to be on one Saturday. I believe it was a calls across game. And I told my mom, I was like, hey, like, I'm really interested in this. Like, I love to go and try out. So she found a club team near me. It was, I think it was like 35 minutes from me. And so she signed me up and I started playing. I think it was like the Windsor Copperheads. No, don't know if that club is a longer a program. But yeah, I think, like, I think that's how I got started. And that was uh, where you grew up in, in Windsor, Colorado, correct? It is, yeah. And for those who don't know, Windsor is just outside of Fort Collins is probably the closest big city. Is that is that true? Is that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's right over the interstate. It's only like 10 minutes from Fort Collins. It's kind of its own little niche community. It's it's grown like crazy in the last couple of years, but it's, it's an awesome place to be. And, and what was lacrosse like growing up, you know, in Windsor, Colorado? It's a little bit north of the Denver, the Denver area, so maybe not quite the exact hotbed, but what was it like, you know, in Colorado at the time? It was a lot smaller. I uh, didn't realize how small it was until I got into high school and started playing for better club teams. But there was only probably two or three different opportunities outside of high school to play in that area. So you were kind of limited and everybody kind of knew everywhere. Everybody was kind of fun in that retrospect. We'd go out on Sundays and do three by tournaments with all of our buddies from nearby high schools. But it was, it was definitely smaller. And, and talk about it, it's kind of said that Utah is, is sort of 10 years behind Colorado in, in terms of growth. And so, uh, you know, if you think about the growth here in Utah, obviously with the University of Utah going Division One, and you've got Westminster and all, and all of that. Talk about just kind of what you've seen in Colorado, you know, you, as you look at it now. What, how does it compare to, to when you played? Yeah, I think it's gotten a lot bigger. When I would go back in the summer for like an internship or go back to see family, I noticed that a lot more club programs were being started up and the competition level was rising when I would go and help coach. I noticed a lot of the younger generations were being able to pass and catch left-handed a lot sooner and being able to make moves that you would expect out of a high schooler. So the growth is kind of what you've seen similar to California almost, that there's a large population, especially in the Denver area, that are starting to play lacrosse maybe over some other other spring sports. Absolutely. And so growing up in, in Colorado, you went to Windsor High School. What was what what uh, what was it like playing lacrosse at, at Windsor? What what classification are they? Is it a big school? Is it a small school? Yeah. So in Colorado, there's only two classifications for lacrosse. There's five total for all sports, I guess, at the football level and basketball level. But for lacrosse, there's only two. It's 4A and 5A. My school was a part of the 4A, so we weren't top tier by any means. But my junior year is probably our best year in terms of running for a potential win on a state championship. Otherwise, it was it was fairly average every other year. Didn't have a whole lot of recruiting out of the area I grew up in. And and as you did progress through your high school career, at what point did you know that you wanted to play college lacrosse? Yeah, funny enough, to give you a little short story, I was playing in the Adrenaline Tournament in California at the Polo Fields. It was a good midi. I have been playing midi since I was in fifth grade and did face-offs. And my coach 
threw me a pole because we were man down and we needed someone to play pole. So I just jumped in there and won one of the games and started playing pole. And I guess I did really well and continued to play pole throughout that tournament. And I had some school approach me. I think it was a division two school and they were interested. And I never thought that that was an opportunity and never even thought about it. I was more focused on football. And so I kind of shift my focus to lacrosse and realized that I would might have other opportunities to play at the highest level. So ever since then, sophomore year, up until senior year of high school, I played pole and then I got switched to close and just worked on that. And, and as you were looking at the different schools, you know, at the time, Utah was still a club team. And, and so what sort of, you know, what between that and what other schools, what, what was kind of the deciding factor between those other schools and, and coming to Utah? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. When I first um, saw the opportunity to play lacrosse at the Division One level, I was talking to other schools. They weren't super serious conversations and the coaches had interest, but it wasn't by any means like, hey, we're going to offer you a scholarship or hey, you're uh, going to have a spot as soon as you get to campus. So I started looking at other opportunities. And after my junior year, I got two other series offers. And then I noticed or I heard some rumors about Utah going division one. And I had spoken with coach Holman and the other coaching staff and kind of fell in love with their mindset and their coaching philosophies. And that after I came out to campus for a visit, like a right place, because at the time I wanted to study biology and go to dental school and they just opened up a dental school. So academically it made sense as well as the opportunity to stay in a similar climate state and being able to ski, it all kind of worked out in that way. And I think those are the three kind of major deciding factors. The other two schools were both on the East Coast. I'm not that the far from home was any obstacle at all. I just felt like Utah was a, a better fit for me. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of similarities between Utah and Colorado, right? And, and so getting the opportunity to, to, like you said, play in a similar climate or, and, you know, be a little bit closer to home is definitely appealing. Talk about, you know, you come to campus in August of 2017, which seems like an eternity for probably both of us, right? When you step on campus, though, what, what were some of the impressions? What were some of the things that stood out to you? Oh, wow. You're, you're taking me far back. I, I'm trying to remember. I think the impressions were great because I connected with a lot of the other recruits at that time. We all had really great friendships. There was two or three other kids from Colorado, so I already knew people coming out here. And I think that class just bonded really well. So all super happy to be on campus, even though there was naysayers about us still being a club team. We didn't let it affect us. Like, I think that might have been one of the funnest years I've had. Obviously, becoming a Division One team was great and had a lot of fun. But there's a lot of fun things that we did, like traveling to Arizona and traveling to California and being able to play in some warm weather for lacrosse. That's right. And, and I believe it was that year that uh, we also played Colorado State. We did. Yeah. Right. Uh, right in your backyard. And, and so, you know, talk about that because you grew up, you know, obviously just down the road from Colorado State and then, you know, obviously having the chance to play there. Yeah, that was a great experience. I was able to have a lot of my family come out and watch me. A lot of my friends come out and watch me. And that game, I, I kind of remember pretty vividly. It was incredible because it was kind of up and down for us. We were playing pretty well the first half. They came back the third quarter. Then it gets into the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter and it's tied. And we're thinking, uh oh, like, here we go. And lightning strikes. So there's a lightning delay. We, 
we walk over like through this parking lot and sit in their like rec center for like had to have been like 30 minutes just just preparing for like maybe the game will get canceled or maybe we're going to keep playing we come back out and i think we were just fired up just fueling ready to go um, we won the face off turned it over um, played great defense cleared the ball and i think we pushed an early offense goal and won that game in the in the last couple of seconds in the fourth quarter and if memory serves me, like I said, it's been a while. That was it was Jake Stout, Josh's brother, who scored that goal. If I yeah, remember, I think I, I think I you're right. Wrong. Yeah, okay. And I okay. think I think the I think the pass came from Aaron. I might I might be mi- mistaken, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. That's the way we remember it. So I think that's the way it is. Right. Which is fair enough. <laughs> Talk about just that club season as a whole. You know, it was unique. Obviously, the program was. You know, there were rumors that it was going to transition. You know, and and. The, the program for all intents and purposes was true. You know, it was run like a division one program, but what are some of the things that stick out from that year? Yeah, obviously the foundation, I guess, was created a year before that year. So a year before I was there, but I think that year kind of solidified like what it meant to be Utah lacrosse player. And it was a lot more than obviously just being a student athlete and playing another sport at another school, the coaches at that time really instilled the foundation of what it meant to be to be a Utah lacrosse player based off of our pillars of being a good person and upholding those standards. And it was, it was fun. There was a lot of hard times. Like we worked just as hard as a division one lacrosse team, if not harder. And some people might doubt that I say that, but there was tough times, but we, we had fun with it, even though, we didn't have the season we wanted because we lost to BYU in that last last game before making it to the championship game. But I still think it was it was one of the the best seasons that Utah lacrosse had, even though it was still just MCLA. And then after that year, obviously the the team becomes Division One. You know things change sort of on the on the back end. You know you're dressing a different. Well, you have a locker room now, that kind of stuff, but. Talk about sort of the transition in in play. What what were some of the big differences between MCLA and NCAA in terms of play on the field? Yeah, you bring up the locker room thing, and I'm glad you did. That was a part of our our culture was we carry our bags everywhere. We bring them to the dorms. We bring them with us, bring them to the field, get dressed, go back to our dorm, shower, go back to your home and shower. And I think that kind of defined a lot of our characteristics that you might see in some of those kids today. I know. I'm one of two kids that are still from that club team. Obviously, we had ones graduate last year. But the transition to a Division One program, there was more of a, a logistical shift, not so much practice shift, like the amount of times we practiced and the amount of times we lifted and that sort of thing didn't change and what travel looked like didn't really change. Um, it was more for just the logistical side. Obviously, we got a locker room. Things were a little bit more structured. We had a field. We had reserved times for everything. There wasn't any worry that we might have to shift rooms because there was a classroom in there from being a club team. But it was it was more so that not not anything too hectic by any means. Sure, and and let's talk about that first season. You know, you you start off the Division One, going to completely new, different teams. What was something that stood out from from that first season as a NCAA team? The, the pace of play, I don't know if it was because we were so used to, or at least maybe some of the veterans at that time were used to playing MCLA teams and not expecting them to push as much transition or being able to throw 30-yard skip passes and shoot on the run. So the speed of play definitely hit us. As you can see, that first game, we got smacked by Vermont. 
And that wasn't something we took lighthearted. As you can see this year, we came out with came out with the dub against the Cats. Other than that, I think I think that was pretty much it. And the intensity too. These these games have a little bit more of a matter to them, or they they hold um, higher value than they they did in MCLA. At least it feels that way. Sure. And and talk about the 2020 season. You know, just six games in, the, the season's canceled. What were some of the things you know, looking back now, two years removed, that that you learned from you know either those first six games or just the the season being canceled. Mm-hmm. I think being able to be adaptable, none of us knew what was going on. We were in Massachusetts at the time. It was the end of our three-game or two-game trip. We just had arrived in Massachusetts, and everybody's looking at their phones. We're hearing about all the news of this virus going around and unsure if we're going to be able to play, and we're hearing airports are shutting down. Just kind of crazy. We can't let these huge outside factors like just put a, a dent in your day. Obviously, it was the right thing to do to, to cancel all the seasons because everybody was unsure. And so we just ended up having to go home and packing up, which wasn't wasn't a big deal. But it, it allowed us to kind of be thankful and be grateful for situation you are. Don't don't take things for granted. That might sound cliche, but I think it's it's super important. At least it was kind of a reset for some people to be like, oh, I need to I need to take more pride and uh, be more grateful because I never know. Uh, when things could be flipped upside down for me. Sure. And then coming into the 21 season, you know, the youth's able to play a full season. What what stood out to you uh, about last year? That's that's hard because it felt weird because at the same time we were still battling COVID. So just like everybody else in the world, there was the mass mandate for all of us. And I don't think it affected our play. We We had our games where we didn't play as well. But it was it was definitely a lot of adversity, more so than we had faced in the past. We're we're flying a lot quicker. We're not given the full day to arrive if it's an away game, practice, and then play the next day and then leave. We we'd arrive sometimes that morning or arrive four hours into the day, practice, sleep, and then play and then leave. So just those quick turnarounds. But I think it's kind of built up to what we have this year. Obviously, we all found out that we were going to be in a conference. We still didn't play any different last year, but I think it's built up to kind of the team camaraderie this year and the, the team's ability. Last year, people would say that we had a lot of young talent and a lot of young players, and now those those players have some experience and are able to execute at a higher level, or at least that's how I feel so far in our season. Yeah, and, and talking about this year, like you like you mentioned, we're in a conference, the ASUN. And then obviously the coaching change uh, has been different. What what are, as you look at the things that have happened so far this year, talk, give us some insight, just sort of how, how the things, how things are going day to day, how things are going week to week for, for some of the fans that maybe aren't around the program as much. Yeah, absolutely. As, as they know, the, the coaching change was unexpected and not anything bad by any means. It happened in the way it did and we move on and we move forward but I don't think too much too much changed culturally at all um, we're still the same team we still have the same standards and still hold each other accountable to the, the same Utah lacrosse player that we all want to be and we all strive to be in terms of on-field play obviously each coach comes with different coaching styles no matter who was coaching us I don't think that would change on how we play whether that be inline dive outs fighting for GBs and just hustling as a team. I think we know that we're not as maybe as talented as some other teams might be on paper, but that doesn't matter to us. We're we're still going to bring the dog fight. 
And I think as as far as that goes, nothing nothing has changed too dra- dramatically from our style of play. And looking at the game so far this year, Ryland, each game only a one goal difference. Obviously, the first one didn't go our way, but the last two have. Are we going to see this weekend a, a score that is is more or less than one goal? That's a that's a that's a tough question. We <laughs> we as players don't like it just as much as the fans don't. We got a lot of a lot of things to work on from these last couple of weeks and that we're building on. We've had some some injuries that have put us through some adversity, but I think if we play well together and we execute and try to ride the highs, um, everyone could say that. I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but ride those highs and keep moving forward and not have little setbacks during the game. Let them go on a couple goal runs. I think we'll we'll be able to put this one away, but it's it's going to be a fight. It was a it was a fight last year, and it was a fight the the two years before when we played them. It'll be a fun game to watch. I do do recommend tuning in. Yeah, and that game is against Jacksonville, who's who's started out the year really hot. It's on Sunday, uh, 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That game's on the CBS Sports Network. So so far, Ryland, you know we've had the home game. You've gone to Vermont, then Wisconsin, now Florida. You've pretty much got the whole country covered. But then after that, you know, there's a quick turnaround Friday game at UMBC in Maryland. And then finishing out the sort of this road trip, eternal road trip, it feels like at Georgetown, who again is another top five opponent. As you look at the schedule and all these these travel times, what, what are some of the things that, that stands out to you just in general from, from traveling to all these different places? I think it's exciting. Not many other teams get to travel as much as we do. Some people might see it as an issue or like, oh man, like we got to get on another flight and go another thousand miles to another state. But a lot of the guys on the team, almost all of them embrace it. Like we love traveling. We get to see a new every area every year. And we also build up our sky miles. <laughs> shout, shout out to the Utah program for that. But it's it's been fun. I don't think there's anything better than being able to see so much of the USA and being able to go to somebody's own home turf and beat them there when they don't want to play us. When, when, uh, when you get a free second, Ryland, I want you to go through and, and look at all the different States you play lacrosse in. And I bet it's the majority of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's many I've missed. I mean, maybe like the small ones that like Rhode Island, like that don't have division one teams, but I mean, we pretty much covered all of the East Coast. Yeah, and then as the club team, we you know Texas, California, yeah, yeah, as well. So yeah, super exciting. You know, you're listed as a junior technically in eligibility, but if I remember right, talking to you after the the Denver tailgate, uh, your plans are to graduate and to uh, not use your final year of eligibility. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So the way that worked, the club year didn't count as a year of eligibility. My clock started, I guess, technically sophomore year, and then COVID gave me another year. So I could play six years if I wanted to, but after this fifth year, ready to ready to move forward. It will be hard because I, I probably will miss lacrosse, but I'm ready to move forward and kind of go on the next career journey I have. And, and tell the listeners what that is. If I remember correctly, you've got a, a great job opportunity lined up for after college yeah i recently as in the last couple of weeks accepted an offer in investment banking for lazard middle market and if i remember right the the headquarters were in was it milwaukee and they're in they're actually in uh, minneapolis but i might be moving to uh, charlotte in their kind of satellite office in charlotte that's right and so time will tell on that but you've got your career path all lined out 
Um, super excited for you. You've been a staple, obviously, for the Utah program. I, I should have mentioned this at the start, but you're one of the captains this year. What what does it mean to be a captain for this team? To me, it means a lot. Um, I think it's more than just the, the title. I think it takes a lot of um, willpower to be able to sometimes do the things that no one else wants to do. I know it, it doesn't come from a, a place of good intent at all times, but to be able to stay poised in all situations is no easy task. And I'm still learning how to perfect that myself. I'm very thankful for all my teammates that they trusted me to be able to hold that position of leadership and in, in attempts to guide them down down the right path and guide our team down the right path of success. And so I think it's it's really really grateful for my teammates for for this opportunity. And, and anything else you want to mention, Ryland, as we uh, wrap up here? No, the the only thing I want to mention is if you're listening to this podcast, tune into to every game and and follow us on social media. It's it's going to be a, a fun ride this year, and don't don't forget to to send your love to Utah Lacrosse. That's right. So again, to recap real quickly, this Sunday, the Utes are at Jacksonville at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That game's on CBS Sports Network. Then a quick turnaround Friday game at UMBC. I'm sure that'll be streamed. Uh, so just pay attention to utahutes.com for that link. And then March 19th at Georgetown. The next home game versus Mercer. Super excited for that one. That one's at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. It's going to be a beautiful day. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be a beautiful sunny day and a great opportunity to come out and watch the use. Rylan, thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck here in the, in the rest of the season. Of course. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Tim. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for joining us and go Utes. Go Utes.